Blog Talk Radio. Face Radio. I am your host, Brandon Stubbs. And as always, folks, you could be anywhere in the world this evening, but you're here with me. And as always, I do appreciate that. Good show tonight, man. We got a, we got a, a lot of recaps here from last week. Uh, we had three cards all in one night from three different promotions. Uh, you know, the Jay-Z saying goes, women lie, men lie, numbers don't. I have the numbers here from last week's fights. And let's you know who the biggest winners and losers were a part of last weekend's events. We're also joined uh, by our guest, uh, Chief Operating Officer of Titan FC and President of Alchemist Management, Lex McMahon. Now, Lex has something uh, really, really something cool that Titan FC is doing. Uh, they're working with Mobile Aerofest. They'll be here next March. Uh, he shed some light on how uh, Titan FC got involved with them and uh, what the plans are going forward for Titan FC. He didn't, re- uh, you know, reveal too much, which I respect and I understand because you don't want to jinx yourself. But the few items he did reveal, kind of interesting in regards to what Titan FC has going on here next year. Um, also, we got um, you know some fights that got announced, uh, some other rumors, uh, a kind of a pitiful tweet uh, from Quentin Rampage Jackson that I will address as well. Um, and uh, yeah, we got a, we had an actual question I answered on Twitter, but I will go a little bit more and elaborate uh, here on tonight's show. But hey, you can be a part of the show as well. You can be calling here to area code. 718-508-9852. You can also tweet me at punch underscore the number to the face. And as always, you can always send me your email throughout the week, and I'll answer your questions uh, during the week. Next week's show, if you email me here during the off-time at punch at, excuse me, at brandon at punch to the face.com. So, again, you can email me at brandon at punch to the face.com. That's always the number two. So that is a quick rundown of what we got going on here this week. Um, so where shall we start? Um, let's start by recapping here last week's events uh, that went down with all the fight cards we had going on. So we'll start there. We had three fight cards from three different promotions all in one night. Uh Definitely a bit agitating, having everything all at once going on uh, to where you, you really didn't know what in the hell you'd watch at that point. I mean, you had every – you know, luckily some of the things didn't overlap too much. Um, you know, the, the UFC prelims had started when uh, Bellator and um, World Series of Fighting Cards had started on uh, regular television – uh, some of the main events didn't end up overlapping too much. The UFC was actually done before uh, Bellator was done, oddly enough. The World Series of Fighting was done before everybody. So let's first break down the numbers. Like I said, man, women lie, men lie, numbers don't. And it's kind of bad uh, in regards to the numbers. Kind of bad. Um, the winner of the weekend... 
and I can definitely say I, I I saw this kind of coming just because they had so much momentum, they had so much buzz built up about the card going into it. I was Bellator. Bellator one thirty one did a hundred excuse me, did one point two million viewers. Um, that's what they averaged out at. They peaked at two million during the Stefan Bonner T Ortiz main event. So on average, throughout the window, they were on Spike TV. They had 1.2 million viewers. That is obviously the highest that they've had, and that's um, I think they said that's the second highest uh, this year in MMA. I think it was the only thing that was higher was a UFC event in January, so that they started the year. But obviously, they did numbers, incredible numbers. Um, probably something that will never be able to be done again immediately by uh, by Bellator. But nevertheless, really good numbers uh, for them starting off. Um, this was kind of the, I, I don't want to say the grand opening or grand entry of the Scott Coker era, but this is kind of his his first rule. This is, you can tell it was all his hands on it um, in regards to that. Uh, your next up was uh, the UFC prelims had uh, 624,000 viewers, 100,000 viewers, uh, throughout that, so that's what they averaged around being throughout the fight card. Um, and then World Series of Fighting actually looks like it. I've heard two different conflicting numbers here, so we'll just give a range. Uh, they averaged around 160,000 to 179,000, so you're somewhere in there in that window. So between uh, 160,000 to 180,000, which is rounded up, is what they had in regards to viewership throughout their fight card. And kind of unfair to them and their fighters, but I'll get on. I'll touch on that here in a second. Um, let's let me see. Who do I? Let me start with Bellator since Bellator actually won the the numbers game. Let's start off talking talking Bellator and uh, what they were able to accomplish here over the weekend. You know, first off and foremost, their fights were fun and exciting, which I was kind of skeptical about it first when the fight, when the fight card was first announced. Um, kind of wondered how everything would work out, if the, the fights would you know, deliver, and they did. Their fights were actually pretty doggone good. Um, I didn't watch too much of the prelim fights uh, online. I was you know, kind of balancing getting some other stuff together uh, when their pre- prelims were going on. Didn't really watch much of the World Series fighting prelims as well. And I'll touch on the UFC prelims here momentarily. Uh, the main thing I focused on was the main card. Now, King Moe, he actually was opening bout against Joe Viapode, and Moe did what he was supposed to do. Moe um, pretty much didn't really eat. He stood bang a little bit. For the most part, though, uh, he was able to take down uh, Viapode and just pretty much grind him out and beat him up. He ended up winning via TKL. And, and for Joe, Joe was game, but Joe really had no business being in there. Joe was kind of a, a blown-up uh, middleweight who, did, who stepped in here late notice for time to blast and hurt. Uh, ended up taking the fight. So, uh, you know, Mo won there. Really was no surprise. Uh, also another surprise was Mike Richmond just completely blew out Nam Fam. Um, I'm sort of really wondering if Nam Fam's washed. And it, it's it's bad to say that about a guy you, I've seen throughout the years. He's put on great performances and he's had good fights. Uh, but he's just lost so many decisions. Hasn't, you know, really, we stepped up against higher competition in, you know, the UFC um, and in Strike Force and now in Bellator, he just really hasn't delivered. Um, maybe he's more suited out to fight internationally um, and get some fights, you know, over in Asia 
maybe with one FC or what have you, maybe he can look a little bit more competitive against a lower tier of competition. But he didn't look good at all. Uh, Mike Richmond just blew him out the water and ended up winning uh, via TKO. But maybe the knockout of the night, and as well, you can see that knockout on punchintheface.com. Uh, Joe Schilling. Uh, Joe Schilling knocking out Melvin Manhoff in the second round. Now, Manhoff actually kind of shocked everybody. He got a takedown um, during the fight and was actually grinding out a little bit on uh, on um, on Joe and really threw us who were watching the fight, kind of threw us for a loop on how he was actually using ground game, which, you know, both these guys think stand-up guys that you just kind of thought that was what it was going to be. Well, second round started, and, you know, Manhoff probably, you know, blew his, blew his, his tank, and that's something he's been known to do in these MMA fights. If, if cardio isn't the greatest in the world, um, you know, he ran out of gas and just really looks kind of exhausted to start the round. Joe took full advantage of that, um, ended up laying, laying him out, uh, knocking him out cold, and he was out on his back. Um, it was a beautiful display of violence. It's probably the best way of describing what Joe Schilling did. Um, he definitely has now created a buzz about himself going there into the, you know, into the future and now working with Bellator. And, you know, he said he definitely wants to make a run at it here doing mixed martial arts. Maybe the uh, – it had a bizarre ending, but it was actually a really good fight. Uh, was Mike Chandler versus um, uh, Will Brooks, a.k.a. Ill Will. So, you know, going into this fight, and, and Will Brooks even said this afterwards, he was kind of, he was kind of slighted a little bit going into the fight. He wasn't really given full credit or really given full shine as being the, you know, the Bellator champion. It was more of, more about Mike Chandler and other fighters there at Bellator. It wasn't so much focused on him. He ended up getting jerked out of fighting Eddie Alvarez. Eddie, Eddie really didn't want to fight him before. He ended up leaving, and, uh, leaving his contract and getting released from his contract and Bellator signing with the UFC. So he certainly felt slighted going into the fight and had a little bit of MI to the end. You know, in the fight, he really was in control. You know, Chandler was in the first round, you know, kind of an even round. I, I thought back into the second round, Brooks started taking control. He ended up working the jab off. I thought he was completely controlled in the third round. Uh, although Chandler had his moments, Chandler's always a game fighter. But Chandler, you know, after scrambling the fourth, uh, from his knees, Brooks threw a, a a right hook that hit Chandler. Didn't knock him out, but Chandler stumbled back, was going up against the cage with his hands up, looking at the ref like something was wrong. And Brooks did the appropriate thing and pounced on him, uh, which is what you should do at that point. He pounced on him, uh, ended up uh, getting a te- technical knockout. Um, you know, you can see Mike Chandler in the corner afterwards and asking the ref why was the fight stop, what was going on. He didn't remember anything. He didn't know anything about what just happened and him getting just knocked out. No clue. No clue whatsoever. That's not good. That's really not good as a fighter if you don't know what the hell just happened to you. Um, he was dazed by that hook that he caught when Brooks was, Brooks was on his knees. Uh, he never really could recover. You know, to Brooks's credit, he didn't land any really damning shots that completely floored and made Chandler go limp. But you can definitely show Chandler was not of sound body and mind when he was taking those shots and when the fight was ended. It was a good stoppage. Uh, you know, it was kind of questionable at first when you looked at the replay. Um, you know, before you looked at the replay, and then you saw the replay, and you were like, ah, that makes sense. So there you go. Will Brooks is now the undisputed uh, lightweight champion for Bellator. He's a star. I mean, you, you really have to say he's a star. 
Um, the few fights, I remember one fight he lost was uh, against uh, Swad uh, Dodd. You know, he had given him a rematch there and it was smoking him and knocking him out. So, you know, he's legit. Will Brooks is definitely legit and somebody we want to have here on Punch in the Face Radio. And see if we can do something with him for badculture.net. So, Will Brooks, again, another outstanding performance. It's American top team. So, any more American top team is just going out and they're just obliterating guys. So, shout out to American top team. Uh, the main event, though, tonight at Bella Tour was Tito Ortiz and Stefan Bonner. This fight was actually exactly what I thought it would be. You had two old guys still wanting to fight, but seemingly unreally able to pull the trigger, uh, especially Stephen Bonner's case. You know, Bonner was game. Uh, again, he, he stood in there, didn't, you know, he, he was throwing his punches. He actually had a little bit faster, um, you know, striking, the faster hands as far as the boxing goes. Just unfortunately, it's just it's not as crisp as it needs to be. And Tito has never been someone to known as getting, you know, completely knocked out on one punch. It's going to take some accumulation. You have to take him to the ground. You have to really hit him with some stuff to put him out. Tito's got a big head and a good chin. You know, Bonner was he, he peppered him with shots all night uh, throughout the fight, but was really never able to to get, you know, a seemingly a decisive strike. And in Tito's case, Tito was letting him strike, but then he was hitting with the counters, which ended up actually busting up Bonner as the fight went on. Now, I know as judges, you shouldn't be judging um, cosmetic damage per se, but he was pretty busted up in the face. You saw that afterwards in the, in the post-fight. Um, and Cena was able to get some takedowns. Bonner did a good job of snuffing those. But it was just really two guys who have no business fighting anymore. <laughs> I, I love Tito and I respect the legend, but I could do without seeing him fight again in the cage. He has nothing else left to prove. And if he's really calling out guys like Mo the Wall, um, Rampage Jackson, which we'll touch on later, I don't know if that's the smartest thing life goal-wise for him because even at this stage in Rampage's career, Rampage could hurt him. King Mo, far more athletic right now, would hurt him. Um, Leonard Vasile, um Emmanuel Newton, Liam McGregory, Todd DeBlast, these are all younger fighters with far more tread on their tires who, that Tito wouldn't be able to go in and punk around like he did Stefan Bonner. Now, Tito won a split decision, but quite honestly, it was a unanimous decision. How, whatever reps were, I don't know what they were looking at. I thought Tito won all three rounds. Um, it wasn't a split decision in my eye. Um, the two of the judges actually saw him winning 30-27. Uh, the other one seen him losing 29-28. So, don't really know what fight that one just was watching, but I don't know. What they'll do with Tito Ortiz next is definitely up in the air. Um, I will speak on a little bit more of what um, Bellator has going uh, come next year, uh, here a little bit later in the show as they've announced their first quarter uh, for fights. So now let's talk about World Series of Fighting. We'll go to World Series of Fighting next. World Series of Fighting, unfortunately, you know, those, their, their fighters kind of got the shaft. You know, all the media attention – was really focused on, you know, Bellator here in the States. The UFC was down in Mexico, so not as many American journalists went down there to Mexico City to cover that. Those who didn't definitely were a part of Bellator, and those who couldn't get a part of Bellator ended up going to World Series of Fighting instead, or if they were closer, uh, they're in Tampa and going to World Series of Fighting instead. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of bad because those fighters deserve better, I think, 
I don't think that fight card got the proper push. Um, obviously, it was it was sandwiched in between two juggernaut uh, events and promotions, and it just kind of fell by the wayside as far as viewership goes. It was a horrible weekend for them to have this card. Um, really, really horrible weekend for them to have it, and I I really don't agree. You know, with the thought process there, I know that that was just the date that that uh, NBC Sports Network had given them. They had to use it. I don't know what the people at NBC were thinking. Obviously, they don't have anyone who works in really knows combat sports and MMA to know that you wouldn't book an event that weekend against Bellator on free TV and the UFC on pay-per-view. It made no sense, and that's why the viewership was so low. Um, but as far as the fights themselves go, uh, Jorge Patino and Eric Reynolds were kind of a, a grappling, bloody, very bloody match. Uh, that Jorge Patino had won. Uh, Jessica Aguilar ended up being Contraria Friera. How do you enunciate that? She didn't win a unanimous decision. Now, the thing is with that is that Friera had actually – no, let me rephrase that. World Series of Fighting ended up on Friday uh, getting an injection and getting a letter uh, from XFC, who so they said they still had a binding contract for Friera. She was in breach of contract if she took this fight. She's still into the fighting, so Lord knows what's going to happen with the lawsuit there. Um, money talks, so somebody's going to be getting paid off um, eventually for that. I don't know, but quite honestly, I wasn't impressed by Jessica Aguilar. I wasn't. You know, I'm just going to call a square a square and a, uh, you know, a circle a circle. wasn't impressed by her. Um, for her claiming to be the best strawweight in the world, and, and not to say that Fiera is not, that, not a good fighter, but she doesn't have the name recognition here, so you know, through casual fans' eyes, if you're saying this person is the best strawweight in the world, she should have blew past her and just completely destroyed her. She ended up going to, you know, to Yang's decision and winning on the cards 49-45 on all three cards. But it wasn't, granted, yeah, it was pretty dominant. She won four out of the five rounds, but it wasn't something that just made me say, wow, I want to watch her again. And that's kind of how her two last two fights here with, a World Series of Fighting had been, had been five-round grinding, very boring fights. And in this day and age with the women's MMA, boring fighters don't really get shine, and people don't really want to watch them. And that's with fighting, period. So I don't know how much longer she can stake the claim as being the best strawweight in the world when she's fighting on a promotion that really nobody hardly sees. You have strawweights being pushed in the Ultimate Fighter, and they're going to crown a champion there. Um and as much as she probably doesn't want to hear this, whoever wins that tournament and whoever comes up the winner after the season Ultimate Fighter is going to be looked upon as being the best strawweight in the world. Until she goes to the UFC and fights there, I'm sorry, but I don't think she can stake that claim anymore because she's not blowing fighters out of the water that she should be blowing out. I mean, it's just, I'm just being honest there. It's just no other way of describing that. She should be beating these fighters with ease, hands down, if you're the best. But that's not occurring right now. So she ended up winning a unanimous decision in her uh, strawweight title defense. The co-main event was supposed to be for the lightweight championship of the world between uh, number nine ranked on uh, the punch for pound list here, punch to the face radio and back coach.net, Justin Gaethje. Well, Melvin Glar came in overweight. Melvin Glar did not make the weight limit on Friday during the weigh-in. Uh, I think he weighed it at 150. A 158.8, uh, had to weigh 155, went back, tried to lose some weight, also all the two ounces. Uh, so the fight ended up being a catchweight fight. 
ended up being uh, obviously a non-title fight at that point. So that took a lot of the luster away from the fight, um, a lot of it away. And I don't know if that would be part of what um, the performance from Justin Gaethje was per se, but it's almost like he, I think he knew he could take him down with ease at any time and could embarrass Melvin Gillard if he wanted to. But he stood up and he banged with him for three rounds. Um, a little bit sloppy at times, sure, but he found the rhythm. He was able to get his legs kicks going, leg kicks going. Um, started really chopping Melvin down the back half of the second round and in the third round, uh, really going to work on him. Ended up winning those, those rounds pretty uh, convincingly, but those two just, they stood for three rounds and just traded shots. I mean, they swung wildly at each other. They swung for the fences. They swung with malicious intent. Um, it was a, it was actually a pretty entertaining fight for those three rounds to watch. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't know if, if Justin wants to prove a point by just standing the whole time. I don't know. I, I really, really can't answer that a wholeheartedly. But Melvin Gillard really put his foot in his mouth. Now, leading up to the event and even the week, uh, I want to say Thursday or Wednesday of last week, um, you know, he kept on making comments about, you know, he's an A-level talent. Um, he feels that, you know, people, he's fighting B-level opposition. And saying, then he's saying he was misquoted and no uh, World Series of Fighting isn't a B-level organization. He was just running his mouth too much, far too much for my personal taste and my personal liking. And for that happening, he ended up getting beat up. Uh, he got beat up. He lost the fight. Uh, didn't make weight. Don't know what World Series of Fighting to do with him next if they'll keep him around, but they probably will if he's if this contract isn't up. You know what, what can you do about that? I mean, he really didn't. He didn't. It did himself no service um, with this performance and with that loss. Just did himself zero service, and you know it's it's to be said. I mean, he, he's a guy who just seems like he can never get it together. And this weekend was another another prime example of Melvin Gillard being Melvin Gillard. Um, you know, I, I don't think he'll I don't think he'll finally get it until it's too late, and that's unfortunate. Um, the main event was David Branch versus Yushin Okami. Um, I'm going to be completely honest. I didn't watch much of this fight uh, because at the time Bellator was going on, um, and their main event and co-main events were going, so I, I didn't watch much of this fight. However, I, I did have it on my tablet. and happened to look down, and, and David Branch was pretty much in control of the whole fight from what I was watching and scheming through. I did see him actually, you know, getting them out and him getting the TKO for Yushin Okami, which completely shocked me. Um, he made it look easy there in that fourth round prior to getting the stoppage. Um, it, it could be another one of those things as well where Yushin Okami, you know, at age – granted, he's only in his early 30s, but the guy's been fighting – for years, he's over a ten-year career, and you got to start to wonder now how much shred is left on those tires. Um, you know, close to forty-five career. You know, he's lost two out of his last three. You, you wonder, you wonder what's left on those tires. Um, you know, taking nothing away from David Branch. Uh, you know, David Branch is a guy who went from fighting, you know, local and regional shows and, and getting. Shots here and there on, on, on with promotions, but never really being able to stick with anyone. Um, kind of being sometimes just a name thrown out just to just to fight guys. I mean, but he's won it. He's won and he's done his job. He's only had three career losses. He has uh, the KO Slam Highlight World Knockout loss uh, to Joe Harris. 
uh, back in 2010. Everybody remembers that. Um, he ended up losing a DNA bar submission to uh, Usman Pabaharis, who's actually now the World Tour champion in World Series of Fighting. He lost both of those fights for the UFC. And the last time he lost was in 2012 against Anthony Johnson. Really, that was in a catchweight fight uh, where he was moving up. It was kind of um, a swing, you know, in between light heavyweight and middleweight, which is really not his natural, you know, he's more of a natural middleweight. So he took that fight and, and he lost. But those are his only three losses. And I mean, those three names, you know, how he lost to Gerald Harris, I want to say was a freak, you know, accident, but he got slammed. I mean, very rarely does that happen in major people get slammed and knocked out. So there's that. Usman Paula Hart was one of the best fighters there is on the ground. And Anthony Johnson, he ended up going to a unanimous decision with him, so he didn't get knocked out. So, you know, his resume is actually a lot better than what people think. Um, you know, how much of a push they'll give him there uh, with World Series of Fighting is to be, you know, be determined. Uh, who he'll fight next is also to be determined because there's not really a bunch of names out there for him uh, to take on. So we'll see how that works out for him. Uh, in the coming weeks and months and what World Series of Fighting will be doing here after the new year. And then let's get here to the UFC. UFC 181 was down in Mexico City. Kind of, Tariq got kind of shuffled a bit due to some injuries. Uh, Really the biggest, a couple of biggest stories that came out of the night was uh, one of the main fights I wanted to watch was Jessica I versus Leslie Smith. Other part of the prelims on Fox Sports 1. Uh, Honestly, I thought it delivered for the two rounds that it did last. Um, Jessica I's striking was phenomenal. She was crisp. She was on point. Uh, she was landing shots at will. To Leslie Smith's credit, she was eating those shots, eating a lot of those shots, but she was just walking straight down, taking them with no problem. Um, problem did occur, though. Um, they were kind of in a tight clinch, and if anyone has seen the highlights by now, you've seen where Jessica I ends up in Leslie Smith on her ear. Her ear explodes from it being cauliflower. Blood squirts up in the air. They let the fight keep going because, you know, this just blood from the ear wasn't a big deal. She ended up taking some more shots to it. The ear is hanging up, hanging, looking relatively gross in the second round. Doctors called a stoppage uh, there in the second round, about 90 seconds into the fight, into the second round. So Leslie Smith ended up losing a, a TKO stoppage. Quite honestly, she was losing the fight. Uh, she was definitely losing round one. Um, looks like she was losing round two to me when the fight was called. But one thing that I can say in almost every Leslie Smith fight I've watched uh, throughout her tenure in Invicta, I've seen all the fights she fought in Invicta, is she can take some punishment and then she can turn it around, she can hit a, hit the switch, and then boom, she's right back in the fight. So I would have loved to see how literally the second half of that fight would have pulled out, how the second back half of the second round and the third round would have played out for her at that point. But unfortunately, that ear injury and that bleed that you know, she couldn't keep going. That was an extremely nasty uh, tear uh, there of her ear. So, you know, she's healing up. She's got surgery done on it. So hopefully we'll be able to see her here in, you know, the coming months and get her away against somebody else and then get further Jessica I rematch. And Jessica I is now definitely in the mix. They're in the Bantamweight division. The other person who really uh, came out winning a part of uh, UFC 180 was uh, Kevin Calvin uh, Gaston. I always miss him to say his last name. Uh, but Galvin actually really, really looks good, and he's continuing to show why he's climbing up the ladder there in the welterweight division. Uh, this time around, he ended up beating Jake Ellenberger. Now, Jake Ellenberger was in control a little bit there in that round, um, in the opening round. Uh, had some things going, but just ended up getting sloppy on the ground, gave up his back, ended up getting choked out. Um, 
you know, Calvin's still undefeated, and he's just getting better. Um, you got to keep in mind the guy's only 23. Uh, he's Ultimate Fighter winner. He's right now 10 and 0, and they're stepping him up against competition, and he's beating them. Um, really, the toughest fight he's had. You know, Rick Story was a split decision. The Uriah Hall uh, fight there to actually win the Ultimate Fighter was also a split decision, but. You take you, you minus those two fights away. His other wins have been, you know, very convincing wins uh, since the show. And like I said, he's only getting better. He's actually going to get Tyrone Woodley here at UFC 181 on uh, January 31st in Vegas, and that's the same card as uh, Diaz and um, uh, Spider Silva. So they're actually going to be the co-main event. So they are really stepping him up in competition. He's going to be facing a, a top five guy there in the welterweight division in Tyrone Woodley. This is a big test for him. You know, if, if Calvin wins this fight against Tyrone, you know, Calvin is legit, and you definitely have to start putting him in the mix and maybe giving him a title shot next because he's got that momentum going. So I wouldn't be shocked at all um, if that ends up happening. So that looks to be a fight um, that's going to definitely determine a lot of people's future there within the welterweight division and, and have some shakeups going. So that will happen on January 31st. The other person who actually came out a big winner, at UFC 180 was Felicio Verdum. Verdum ended up, uh, you know, he didn't get his back to him. He actually got taken down, and it was really weird the first round with him and Mark Hunt. But um, much to what a lot of people worried about and thought would happen, Mark Hunt gassed out, uh, quite honestly. Didn't look great there in the second round. Caught a knee, uh, getting took a couple more shots, and then boom, it was a wrap. Uh, he ended up getting knocked out here in the second round. Now, Felicio Verdum is now the... Uh, interim champion, UFC President Dana White has said if Cain Velasquez is unable to go come March, well, guess what? He's going to get stripped of his title. So we'll see if he's going to be able to recover from his meniscus injury and the surgery on that. But Cain Velasquez, Parisio Verdum will happen at some point, we hope, in 2015. Who wins? Um, healthy Cain Velasquez, I, I could see him winning, but Mauricio Verdum is kind of one of those guys who's flown on the radar here for so many years. Mauricio um, is probably is legitimately the second best heavyweight in the world. And now you can make the argument that he may be the best because injuries are starting to mount up for Kane over a short amount of time. I don't know how good Kane is and if these injuries have impacted him from being amongst the top fighters there is in the world. Um I, I don't know, and it's going to be interesting to see how he bounces back from this meniscus injury. Prior to that, was a so- shoulder injury. So we'll see. But Mauricio Verdum is right now seems to be peaking in his career. Um, very tough guy to beat. His striking has gotten better. Uh, his ground game was already phenomenal. But with that striking now being added on to that, you, you got to really give him credit and say he's really stepping it up uh, since coming here to the UFC. The guy's now won. Uh, five straight here um, in the UFC. Last time he lost a fight was uh, to Alistair Overeem, and then that was a defunct strike force. So that's the last time he lost a bout. So, I mean, that was three years ago, three years ago. So for your Super Doom, definitely is looking good out there. So that is a recap here from last weekend's action. Uh, like I said, three fights, three of, uh, three promotions all at once. Um, honestly, Bellator was maybe the best card I watched. Uh, the production, uh, the fighter entrances, everything was nice. I was quite impressed by it. Um, UFC, 
got to say, Mexico City came out and supported the UFC, so I can definitely see them going back there as well. That was that was huge. Um, the crowds they had down there in Mexico City, um, just a phenomenal turnout there. So I could definitely see them going back there. And I think even you know Dana White has even mentioned that Cain Velasquez, Fabricio Verdum match when it does happen will more likely happen down in Mexico City. So I got to say they came in second place, and unfortunately uh, the World Series of Fighting, like I said, they just kind of got they were just stuck in the typhoon uh, of these you know the tornado of these two events, and they had no chance. Um, as good as Justin Gaethje and Melvin Gillard was, which I watched. Uh, a lot of people didn't get an opportunity to see that and appreciate that or see David Branch uh, conceivably pull an upset. You know, some would have called it an upset. I don't think it really was that much of an upset, um, given the fact how Yushin Kami's looked over the last couple of years. So, you know, it, it's, it's unfortunate fighters, uh, fans didn't get a chance to really enjoy these fights. I do, do know uh, these are being replayed, so hopefully they'll be able to catch them on the replay and see what I'm referring to. So definitely uh, check out World Series of Fighting's website. They should have. A listing of when the replays will be going down. However, now what's going down now is our first, uh, our only guest of the night, that is, uh, Lex McMahon here of Titan FC. Now, uh, what Titan FC has going is a lot of good stuff. Um, steadily finding uh, talent out, you know, whether it's former veterans or there's new prospects, and they're giving them life. Let's just call it what it is. They're giving these guys life. Uh, they're giving them an opportunity to go out and fight on their platform, Upside NFC, be on television on CBS Sports Network, and show what they have. And they're giving these guys a clause out if they ended up, um, you know, getting an opportunity to uh, go uh, fight for the UFC, giving them the UFC out, um, you know, getting bonuses if you finish a fight for everyone, not just one person or one fight. If you finish your fight, you get a bonus. Um, and that's something that's really really a good idea and really good thing uh, for MMA in that regard. So, you know, I, I'm, I've just always been impressed by them. They've always treated me good. Uh, have always reached out uh, to me and what have you. So I was uh, obliged to, to where the chief operating officer was willing to talk to me. That's the guy who cuts the checks. Okay. <laughs> so anytime you got one of the big guys uh, from an organization wants to sit down and talk with you, you always listen to him out. So, uh, Lex McMahon, again, he is the Chief Operating Officer for Titan FC. He's also the President of Alchemist Management. So uh, here's my interview here with Lex McMahon here on Punch to the Face Radio. All right, here on Punch to the Face Radio, we have Lex McMahon. He is the Chief Operating Officer of Titan FC and the President of Alchemist Management. Lex, how you doing today, man? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you so much for having me on, man. Appreciate it. Uh, not a problem at all, man. You guys are doing great things there at Titan FC. Uh, next up to bat is going to be here on December 19th with Titan FC 32. Uh, that's going to be up in Massachusetts live on CBS Sports Network. Uh, but more importantly, something you guys got rolling here come next year is uh, your involvement here with uh, the Mobile Arrow Fest. Uh, you know, tell me, how did you guys first initially get linked up with Arrow Fest? Well, you know, uh, I'm a fire service marine. I've been uh, two tours in Somalia, and uh, in what they call the pleasantness of the early 90s. And, um, you know, so once I got out, I, you know, made helping military and you know, veterans in particular uh, kind of my, my philanthropic passion. So anytime I do anything charitable, it's in some way related to the military. And, um, 
Stewart has several board of directors for various organizations, and you know, one of those, uh, one of the other board members on one of the organizations I sit on, uh, said, "Hey, man, you know, we, we're starting to work with the Mobile Airport Authority, and you know, would they be a way to help uh, Airfest by doing their uh, help, you know, a foundation by doing an event that they." you know, benefit it and create some awareness. And I said, yeah, you know, let's do that, but let's do this one of that. Let's uh, be involved with uh, Titan and, you know, tell the story on, you know, CBS Sports and tell it on a national, international level. And, uh, you know, that's kind of how it came to be. And it was one of of those things, uh, Mobile Access is kind of like a black hole. When I tell people about it, it starts, like, they get drawn to it. And, want to get involved. So, you know, now we've got uh, the Gary the uh, Foundation uh, involved with the band band. We're going to be releasing some uh, really big, major musical acts that are going to be a part of it uh, here in the very uh, near future, uh, in addition to the Lieutenant band band. Um, and we're also going to have a, what we call a hero game, where, you know, our wounded vets will participate in, you know, essentially kind of a, a mini Olympic. Um, we uh, have quite a few supporters of the Independent Turn, the Lakeshore Foundation, that are all doing great things with uh, veterans. We're, we're all coming together under this Mobile Aerofest uh, banner to really benefit uh, and raise awareness and, and money for these women veterans. And, you know, so it'll be Friday night, we'll be a great uh, tight FD. We're going to bring title fight that card with the staff. Uh, that lineup, and there'll be two days of music. Uh, there'll be arts. There'll be a, a like fun festival where you get you know, some of the best. Some of the best gumbo is from uh, what they call LA. That's not Louisiana. It's actually Lower Alabama. And so we're doing some events around that, bringing awareness about the, the heritage of gumbo, uh, actually being from from uh, Lower Alabama. So lots of fun stuff there, and you know it's a great event, man. You know, I'm, I'm humbled to be a part of it. Well, absolutely, and with you being a veteran yourself, and, and I know what you guys are doing here with Aerofest, trying to bridge that gap, do you think enough is done uh, for our veterans here? And, I mean, we just had Veterans Day, but is it enough really done for our vets when they're coming home for them to transition to help them out? Uh, is there more awareness that really does need to be brought to that for our vets here for this next generation coming back from the current wars and battles we're a part of? You know, it, it, it's a little bit of a loaded question, but I'm not going to shy away from it because the, the, the honest answer is I believe that there's a lot that is being done, but it falls mostly short of what should be done. And, you know, that's why you have so many nonprofit organizations that are, you know, really spearheaded by people who, you know, have, you know, military members, uh, in their family or they, that they've been associated with or are run by, you know, military members. You know, the, you know, I, I'm on, like I said, on the board of three organizations. I'm on the board of Daniel Fest. Um, at the fire service meeting, you've got, uh, you know, his parents' son is, is, uh, headed by, uh, someone who is a fire service colonel in the Marine Corps, I believe. Uh, so, you know, you, you get a lot of people like that and just say, listen, man, we know that there's a void. We're going to step into the breach and, and help fill it. Uh, and I think once you have a credible group that's out there highlighting the issue 
questions to tell her the story, you know, from that point, then people will jump on board and, and, and find, you know, they want to help, they just don't know how to help. Exactly, exactly. Now, speaking of a member, uh, being a member of a board, you're part of another board here with our friends over at Titan FC. Now, uh, what have you, you know, I, I know you you still got an event left here in 2014, but what is the plans going forward for 2015 uh, and maybe doing even bigger and better things because we're crowding champions, we're putting on exciting fights, we're giving uh, fighter bonuses who finish fights. Um, you know, and it seems like when you guys have a little bit of, um, you know, hiccups in the road, you know, the last fight with Yoshida pulling out or uh, having to change venues, you guys don't stop it. Like, it continues to roll on. So what should fans look forward to come next year, uh, bigger and better things from Titan FC? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, we, we just took our executive team down to Costa Rica. And after our last event, uh, Titan FC 31, and, uh, you know, we mapped out 2015, and, and we've got a lot of exciting things on, on, on tap. I can tell you that we're going to have 14 fights uh, that will be broadcast on uh, CBS Sports. You know, I think that there is a, always a a uh, an ongoing discussion with our partners over at, at CBS Sports and, the, and that, that family of networks to increase our exposure uh, on those uh, network platforms. So you could see something along those lines. Um, I think that you're going to definitely see, um, you know, continued signings of really talented fighters. Um, you know, crowning of more champions, uh, participation in, you know, the, the AeroFest event, uh, which for us is, is really huge. That's going to be the end of March. Um, you know, we're putting a lot of resources towards that particular event. I think you'll see us involved with more, but, you know, we're growing, man. We're, we're hungry, we're fighting, and it's, we're going to make it happen. So, you know, it's going to be a year and sit back and watch. Absolutely. You guys have really just kind of stepped it up from the Titan FC that I've known of here in the Midwest when it was just kind of a, a local and regional show in Kansas City to now exploding on the seating, scene here on CBS Sports Network and signing these veteran fighters and bringing uh, breathing new life into their careers. You know, Desmond Green's been one of those guys that just in one fight has just completely like he's turned the corner. Uh, Mike Ricci's going to be fighting now uh, Jay-Z Calvacante. So, I mean, you guys are bringing the fight. You guys are bringing the name. Uh, please, one, one, more question to give oh, one second, buddy. One second, buddy. I, I just walked into a house full of kids. So let me get to a quiet place. We've got my kids and two more kids. That's a full house. <laughs> well, no worries. Well, one, last question I'll get you out of here on is, uh, you know, with you uh, also being the president of Alchemist Management, you know, when you guys are looking to sign new talent or fighters are coming to you wanting management help, uh, maybe what are some of the traits that you look for or some of the things that you see as red flags that you guys will not touch? You know, I mean, I think it's a character issue and, and guys that have character challenges or, you know, past. I mean, I'm a big believer in, in redemption and second chances. Um, but, you know, character is a huge component of what we look for. And also talent. So, you know, if there's a guy who has, you know, he's just a guy, you know, and we've got some character issues, then, you know, we probably won't be interested. But if, you know, he's a guy that, you know, maybe isn't the best in the world, but is working really hard and is a, just a tremendous character person, I'm going to go backwards to help that guy make it. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and you guys are doing great things. So, Lex, man, we appreciate you taking our time.
with us here on Punch in the Face Radio. Again, next fight for Titan FC is going to be on December 19th, CBS Sports Network. Uh, you got a heavyweight title fight. we got a featherweight title fight. We'll have a welterweight battle. And Lord knows what you guys are going to put together between now and December 19th, man, for the fans to enjoy. So we appreciate you taking our time. And, and i got to say wholeheartedly, please keep up the good work because you guys are doing awesome things in MMA right now. Thank you. We, we appreciate it, man. And, you know, we're going to, I think, continue to do some more fun things. And just a little side note, the, uh, the, the Richie JT fight, which I'm very excited about, is not quite done yet. So, okay. There's just a little, ca- little, little caveat there, you know, and how to respect everybody involved. Like, you know, it's something that's being discussed, but that's what I'm a little early. But, you know, it, it is uh, something that we're excited about and uh, looking to make happen. Um, and, you know, if it does happen, it'll be on December 19th, probably. Absolutely. And we know with you guys' history, if something does happen to fall apart with one of the fighters, what have you, you'll be able to find a re- suitable replacement. And those replacement fights sometimes are still the show. So no worries there. Yeah. That was built a little green, bit too man. soon. Desmond Green, great example. Desmond Green is out for You know, all of a sudden they're in there. Look out. Yeah, watch out. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Lax, man, we appreciate you taking our time with us here on Punch the Face Radio. Uh, you take it easy, and uh, we'll be watching you guys here in December. Okay, thanks, thanks for it. I appreciate it. Thank you. Again, big thank you to my guest, Lex McMahon of Titan FC. He is the uh, chief operating officer there and then the president of Alchemist Management. Uh, one thing that he has said, and I do want to give some clarification to here on the show, uh, I, when I talked to him, it was um, Friday afternoon, and, and news had broke that Jay-Z Calvacante and Mike Ricci were going to be fighting there at Titan FC 32 in December at welterweight. Ricci was going to move to welterweight. Um, not move up to welterweight. Uh, yeah, move up to welterweight. Um, but news is now broke that that's not going to happen. As you heard uh, Lex say there, uh, you know, the deal wasn't quite done and people kind of jumped the gun on it. They did. Uh, Jay-Z Calvacante has actually re-signed with World Series of Fighting, from what I'm understanding. Um, that's also what uh, Mike Ricci has said as well, so the bout is off. I reached out to Jay-Z Calvacante to get exact word and see if I can get a definite answer but uh, still no word back from him or his representation. So as it stands now, uh, all indications look like uh, that fight won't happen. But Mike Ricci looks like he's still going to be there on that card at Titan FC 32 against two. Big, good question. And what weight? That's also a question. So I don't know if he's going to be moving up to welterweight permanently or not. However, uh, as you heard mentioned there on the show, uh, uh, the name Desmond Green. Desmond Green is actually going to be on the show here next week. Him and his opponent, he'll be facing here at Titan FC 32, uh, Steven Seiler. These two gentlemen are going to square off here for the Featherweight Championship here on December 19th, Titan FC 32 on CBS Sports Network. So we have both of those guys who are going to be guests on next week's show. They're going to be talking about their fight and how they stack up against each other um, and also how, uh, how the hell they're training and doing weight cutting, you know, with Thanksgiving right around the corner. So those two guys will be on next week's show. That is going to be fun, uh, so definitely uh, watch out for that. But what I am going to do is I'm going to take a break. You know, it's my show. It's what I do. I'm going to take a break, and then when I come back, um, talk about here some uh, the UFC mapping out and dropping their uh, schedule. I, I, it's kind of a first. The UFC's never done that before. Uh, the UFC fight schedule for 2015. I will discuss that and what that means to the world of MMA. Uh, also, we'll preview uh, UFC Fight Night 
that goes down this weekend that's kind of flying under the radar, and it's actually a really good card. Uh, Frankie Edgar versus Cub Swanson. Uh, subsequently, a what I think should be a number one uh, contender match there for the featherweight division, unless you're Conor McGregor. Don't get me started there. Uh, so I'll preview that fight card and give you my winners there for that. Uh, and as well, we'll talk about, uh, we'll name our dumbass of the week. We got one of those this week. It's coming back, folks. I'll also preview uh, some news to drop here from Bellator in regards to uh, what they got going on here for the first quarter of next year. So when I come back, uh, we'll have uh, more uh, more MMA, more news, more other stuff. Uh, your MMA questions as well as we come back from break. So uh, hang tight. We'll be back here in a few moments. Welcome back here to Punch the Face Radio. Again, I am your host, Brandon Stubb. We appreciate you joining us here this evening on the telecast. As always, we do appreciate the broadcast, the telecast, the television, from the broadcast here. Um, a big thank you to my friends, uh, Gordy Tamayo, over at the thetitlefight.com, uh, where they're bridging uh, music, boxing, and a little bit of everything over there. So uh, if you like the music you're hearing, definitely go uh, to the to thetitlefight.com. Uh, support them, support the indie artists that they support, and go out and buy their music. Whether you buy it on iTunes or go on a store and buy it, go freaking buy music. Quit downloading and being cheap. Americans. Uh, uh, <laughs> so the need to go on that quick rant there. But, uh, yeah, um, let's see. I think we're going to hold off my dumbass of the week here until a little bit later. I think we're going to leave that for the last little bit of the show. But, uh let let me talk about here what's going on with the UFC come next year. Uh, kind of an, an unprecedented move on their part 
they announced their schedule for 2015. They've really never done this before um, to where they have all of their dates locked down. Um, venues per se are not 100%, but the the fights themselves are all the uh, the dates have been actually all established in 2015. They have a lot of fights taking place, folks. They have a total of 45 fight cards announced. 45. What that breaks down to being is this. In 2015, there will only be 17 Saturdays that there's not a UFC event going on. Let that sink in for a minute. Out of all the Saturdays here come next year, only 17 of those Saturdays will not have a UFC event. That's a really scary number if you think about it. Uh, They're going to kick things off here on January the 3rd with UFC 182, John Jones versus Daniel Cormier. That'll be big. Uh, Then after really two weeks later, they have Conor McGregor versus Stephen Dennis-Heaver. Stephen Dennis-Heaver. That's a Fox Sports 1 card. And after that, literally another week after that, they have... Alexander Gustafson versus Anthony Rumble Johnson over in Sweden. That'll be on Fox. A week later, they have Diaz versus Silva. I'll pay for you, UFC 183. So there's those just right there. Um, you know, Then they have other UFC fight cards. Of, uh, really, the, the next break they have is uh, they don't have anything the first week of December, uh, the first week of, uh, of uh, February, but they keep rolling from there. I mean, literally every month has at least three events going on in it. Every month. Uh, the only card that's not really, only a few cards are not really locked in stone as far as the dates go. Um, the Ju- a July card is still kind of up in the air. I don't know if that's going to be, looks like that'll be a UFC fight night card of some sorts uh, in July. Maybe looks to be here at the end of July. That's still kind of up in the air. Uh, There's also going to be another UFC in October, um, which looks like it would be between September 27th and October the 2nd, so October the 1st and October the 3rd. That's still up in the air. And there's also another UFC card that looks to be up in the air come December, um, which would be between, again, November 29th and December 4th. Uh, That's in the gap where there's no cards for the UFC. So, for the most part, everything's been announced. Except, like I said, venues and everything could change. Um, that's a scary number. They've got 45 events over the course of a 12-month uh, schedule. Like I said, almost three a month uh, going forward. And the really the, the thing is that when you have that many events, you have that many fighters. Things are. I mean, we've seen it here this year. Things are going to go astray. You're either going to have somebody get injured. uh, You're going to have guys selling drug tests. um, You could have something possibly with issues with the venues. I mean, they're really spreading themselves thin with these events. And honestly, it's kind of watering down their product a bit because it used to be times to where UFC pay-per-views, 
the prelims were almost as good as the main event. And those are extremely rare. I mean, those used to be two or three years ago kind of happening on a regular occasion to where the cards from start to finish were awesome and everybody was like, yo, did you see this fight or did you see that fight or did you see so-and-so knock out so-and-so? You used to have that on a regular basis with the UFC. You're not getting that now. And part of that is because you're signing guys, maybe in some cases who don't need to be in the UFC yet. Uh, you're, you're booking, you're just making too many fights. The product is watered down to where the talent pool is really spread thin. You have your, your guys who are at the top of the top who are really good, and then you just have other guys there in the divisions. And it's maybe the best couple of divisions you can look that at is flyweight, uh, with what Demetrius Johnson is doing. Heavyweight, which right now you can say either Cain Velasquez or Mauricio Verdum are doing right now, you know, those are the divisions to where it's, you know, pretty clear cut. There's like no, there's no real competition. Uh, really, even if you can, you can almost say, kind of say the same thing at Bantamweight as well because, you know, Brendan Burrell, uh, he's beating Uriah Faber. Um, you know, Dominic Cruz is coming back from injury, so really it's it's T.J. Dillashaw, Brow, and Dominic Cruz. You know, you have three guys there. You know, kind of the same thing. You may even say that now in the featherweight division. You know, a handful of guys at the top, but it's not that, you know, they don't have talent-rich divisions in every division, you know, like they do in light heavyweight, like they do in lightweight, like they do um, right now at, at uh, welterweight. I wouldn't so say much about that, about middleweight excuse me, about middleweight right now, and even the talent pool is thin at, at women's UFC at the Bantamweight division because, you know, if Brian Rousey smokes Kat Zangano, I mean, for all intents and purposes, there's only one fight that makes any sense, and that's Chris Cyborg. But that probably will never, ever happen. Um, speaking of which, you know, they had the this big of, big event that they had at Mandalay Bay event center on Monday. It was called the Times Now. Um, UFC announced all this, you know, the fight schedule. They had their, their champions there. Uh, they had some of the fighters who were going to be part of the cards here uh, in the coming months. Also there at the event to kind of talk it up and, and hype it. You know, Ronda Rousey kind of said that she has a lot of decisions to make after her fight here in February against Kat Zingano. Um, You know, I don't really like the way that that sounds. And the UFC should also not like the way that that sounds. The thing is, she's getting money outside of the UFC doing movies. And, you know, and what I will say to her, and I, I got to give her complete respect for saying, she said that those opportunities would have been presented to her without the UFC and her doing what, she, what she's done in the UFC. So you really have to respect her for actually saying that, acknowledging that. Some people would just be assholes and just not even acknowledge it. She acknowledges it and understands that if it wasn't for them, there would be none of this other stuff outside. So I got to respect that. I got to really admire her and love her for that. Um, the thing is, though, she leaves. I mean, you're going to have a lot more competitive fights because, you know, everybody else is kind of sort of on the same even playing for the most part. Um, but you lose her, you know, to hear Dana White tell it. She's the biggest star in the UFC. You know, then what? Uh, this is maybe one of the biggest problems with women's MMA because if these women become too big of a star, they walk away. Look at Gina Carano. She walked away. Um, I would say if, if Cyborg was an American and she was destroying people like she was at her peak when she was fighting for Strike Force, 
I don't believe she'd still be fighting at this point. I think she would have gotten opportunities to go fight, uh, excuse me, to go do movies, do action films, and be an action star if she was American. If you if you kind of flip the script on what her being Brazilian and, and speaking Portuguese and her English not being good, I think she would have left MMA a long time ago. She still wouldn't be trying to fight right now if the if the opportunity presented itself. But you know, it is what it is right now. You, you look at the thing, you look at everything, and you really kind of wonder. Uh, what's going to become of Ronda Rousey next? And I mean, we'll get our, you know, get that answer uh, sometime here in the first quarter of next year. But that's one of those divisions I kind of worry about for the UFC. And then you're going to have your straw weights, but you're going to see a lot of those straw weight fighters kind of mix and match each other that you've seen in the Ultimate Fighter of the season. You know, getting cracks at each other uh, upon that division, uh, crowning their champion. So I don't know. Uh, it, I, I look. One thing that I really look for the UFC to do is probably purge uh, more fighters from Invicta. And I'm looking at some of these fight card dates. You know, now you have to look at it from the other promotions aspects. You only have 17 Saturdays where there's not a UFC. Where will Invicta fit into this? Are they going to move to Friday night on the UFC Fight Pass? You know, um, are they going to take maybe one of those Saturdays that the UFC doesn't have an event? Because obviously they... It would make no sense for the UFC to run an event on Fight Pass or, or Fox Sports 1 or on uh, Pay-Per-View and another product that they're selling on Fight Pass is competing against it in, in Evicta. So how does that work out for them? Will they move now to Fridays or will they take those Saturdays that UFC doesn't have? Um, for, for Bellator, you know, Bellator, you know, they announced their uh, intentions here for next year and their fight cards and they're going to be back on Friday night. So, you know, for them, it's averted. They don't have to worry about that. They won't get sucked up into that. But uh, their fight cards will go down on Friday night, so they will have that night to themselves. But, um, you know, some of the cards, I'm just kind of looking at here, some some of the dates. Um, You know, some of the cards are right before big ones. They have a fight card that will go down on February 27th. That's the day before Whiteman. Uh, Bill Fort and uh, Zingano and Rousey. So, you know, how much media attention will go into their card if it's the night before a big UFC and even the kind of the same thing um, in March as well? With the Bellator, looks like it's going to be the night before UFC. I don't know, man. And, and then you have poor, you know, World Series of Fighting. You know, what are they going to do? Are they going to go compete head to head with the UFC and have a free event on NBC Sports Network? Yeah. You kind of got to wonder, but there's only going to be 17 Saturdays that anybody is going to be able to compete uh, and not worry about competing with the UFC. So there is that. But speaking of Bellator, Bellator had a – they kind of – they roughly uh, put this out a little bit on Saturday uh, during the fight card, uh, during the, uh, the, the Bellator uh, event, Bellator 131, and then they sent out an official uh, release here to, to us media is uh, – what they have scheduled here for the first quarter um, for Bellator MMA, and it, it's it's pretty solid for the most part. Um, first thing they're going to have going here is going to be on uh, January the 16th, and that's going to be up in uh, Temecula, California. That's going to be headlined by Patricio, Patricio Pitbull uh, versus Daniel Strauss in a featherweight championship title bout. Hey, man, Daniel Strauss is going to be looking to get his title back uh, that he lost to Pat Kerwin. Pitbull's going to be making his first title defense since beating Pat Kerwin. Uh, 
I think that could actually, that should be a real interesting fight. Hopefully both guys can come in and make weight. Sometimes I kind of worry about Daniel Strauss being maybe too big for the featherweight division and possibly needing to move up, but hey, uh, he keeps on doing what he does. So that's going to be the first fight out uh, come come next year uh, for Bellator. So that's uh, with them going under the, the new format that they're going for, which is pretty much going to be uh, one fight card per month uh, for them. And then I don't know if they're going to do kind of a bigger show each quarter. Um, I don't know how that's going to work uh, right now because those are the only ones that have been announced here so far. So um, that's going to be the first bout out for Bellator. So that's going to be here on January 16th. So we won't get another Bellator card until then. Uh, after that, they have the U.S. Uh, versus uh, I didn't say yeah, uh, not the U.K. versus everyone. They call it the kind of a British invasion card, um, which is kind of interesting. Uh, it's going to be headlined uh, in a welterweight title belt by Douglas Lima and Paul Daly. Paul Daly is actually being able to allow to fight here in the states. I'm not going to lie; I was pretty damn shocked when I heard that. I didn't know if he would be able to actually um, get in here to the U.S. Just to be completely honest, I didn't know that that fight uh, would would actually happen. So that's going to go down here on February 27th. So Douglas Lima, Paul Daly, that that's one of the fights. Uh, they also have another title bout where that's going to be Emmanuel Newt making yet another a light heavyweight championship title defense. This time against the last tournament winner, uh, Liam McGeary. McGeary is a tall, tall man who can strike, who can submit. He's long. He's lanky. Um, this could be an extremely awkward fight uh, for Manuel Newton, but Manuel Newton's been here. That's the, that's kind of the thing that always helps him out. He's been here before. He's defended this title. He's been in these championship bouts. McGeary uh, hasn't. So how will you know will that affect McGeary's psyche any? Um, but that actually should be a highly entertaining bout. Um, kind of the other two feature bouts here that they have announced for that card kind of are questionable. Uh, Sokaju versus Linton Vasil. Vasil uh, just uh, fought Emmanuel Newton here for the light heavyweight championship bout uh, title. Ended up losing uh, there that, that night. Ended up getting a TKO loss or a submission loss. I thought it was Emmanuel Newton beating. Uh, so he lost that fight to Newton. Uh, for Sokaju, Sokaju's trying to, uh, I don't want to say re- can, rebound's not the word I'm looking for, but uh, kind of continue to grow as a fighter, maybe the best way of describing it. Um, he seems like he's a guy who's steadily trying uh, to improve. Um, at one time, he was a really kind of a hot commodity and was really doing, uh, kind of had a lot of momentum going for him, and then eh, not so much. He didn't have uh, the hottest of hot runs in the UFC, um, and then kind of struggled outside of the UFC as well upon getting cut, but right now he's won back-to-back fights for Bellator. Um, both of those stoppage wins. So we'll see if he can keep that momentum going. Um, so those two fight in a light heavyweight uh, feature bout, and I'm assuming that would kind of maybe if Sokuji wins and that's three fights from William Wren, that may put him in the mix for a title shot. We'll see. Um, Bobby Lashley versus James Thompson. Oh, Yeah. They're still trying to feed us Bobby Lashley, folks. They are still trying to feed us Bobby Lashley. Um, I don't even know how to describe this one. 
I understand why Bobby Lashley is there. Hopefully they can bring over a um, a cross audience uh, from the TNA wrestling because he still does wrestle for TNA wrestling. This also comes on Spike TV. He's getting paid by Viacom uh, to do both. Uh, he's looking to avenge a loss to, to James Colossus Thomas. Uh, he lost to him over in India uh, two years ago, uh, May of 2012. Uh, that was actually his second career loss. Um, so he's looking to see if he can um, avenge that loss to James Colossus Thomas Thompson. Uh, for Thompson right now, he's on a he's kind of on a streak, man. He's won four fights in a row. Uh, he's gotten a couple submissions. He ended up uh, kicking Eric Pradle out here this past summer uh, in Bellator. So this will be a second fight with Bellator. We'll we'll see how that works out for him. But yeah, that's that's the fight they have going down here in February. And then the last card that they have announced. Uh, for Bellator is here in March. Uh, that's going to be Joe Warren uh, taking on uh, Marcos Galvan uh, for the Venomweight Championship. Uh, that'll be in March. You know, that has been on planning in Joe Warren. Uh, it got kind of called out while he was doing commentary. Ter- ter- uh, he was doing commentary uh, during Bellator 131 when Mike Richmond's bout was on, uh, and Richmond pretty much called him out. So it looks like he already may have Another guy in line uh, after he fights uh, Galvan. But Galvan is no joke. Very legitimate fighter. Very scary fighter at that uh, that will go down. So that fight's going to be in Oklahoma here in March. So that's what Bellator has lined up here, at least for the first quarter uh, of 2015. So uh, those announcements coming from um, from them here over the weekend. So uh, obviously there's going to be more information to come in regards to uh, – other fights as far as the prelims go uh, in the main card, especially for the January one, uh, but that probably won't get announced here for another couple of weeks because we got we're about we're still two months out uh, from that going down. But uh, that's what Bellator has going here, at least for the first part of 2015. But what we have going right now is the um, fight card that's going to go down this weekend that you'll be able to see. Uh, you'll be able to see this on Fox Sports One. It's going to be Frankie Edgar versus Cubs Swanson in a featherweight uh, title eliminator. I'm just going to call it what it is. This is a title eliminator. Now, this fight is one of those things where Frankie Edgar kind of talked himself into this fight. Frankie probably doesn't deserve this fight. It really probably has no business being in it, quite honestly. Um, Cubs Swanson has been on a, a tear. He's been on a winning streak. He was promised after his defeat of Jeremy Stevens, that he would be able to get a a title shot um, next. He'd be able to get a title shot. Well, Frankie Edgar started running his mouth and saying, oh, I want to play Cubs Swanson, I want to play Cubs Swanson. So, you know, Cub not to punk out of a fight or turn down a fight because uh, he hasn't been the most active here in 2014, only with the one fight, uh, decided to take the fight. So he's going to face uh, Frankie Edgar here down in Austin, Texas, uh, you know, like I said, for for Cub, Cub has won now um, like six fights in a row. Um, bulk of them coming via stoppages. Uh, when Cub Swanson's healthy, Cub Swanson's a very scary dude. Um, Frankie Edgar's coming off a win against BJ Penn at the Ultimate Fighter finale in July, but I mean, he beat a shell of a friend, of a BJ Penn. Uh, he won via TKO, but. I, honestly, I can't put much, if any, value in that fight because B.J. Penn just looked like a guy who didn't want to be in that fight at all. Um, so you can't 
give a lot of accolades and credits to someone for a fight like that. It just wasn't uh, horrifically entertaining. It just was not fun to watch. Um, besides that, the other fight he's had it was against Charles Oliveira here last year. So, I mean, he's only fought twice in the last year and a half. Mm, I don't know. Don't like BJ, and that, excuse me, don't like Frankie Edgar's chances here. Uh, one thing that, about Frankie Edgar, though, that always makes him dangerous is he's a game fighter. Um, you literally are going to have to beat him until a pulp make him submit or knock him out to beat him. Um, if it is him going the full five rounds, he somehow always figures out a way to, to, to squeak in there to where the fight's close, to where it's questionable and he gets a rematch. We've seen that far too many times in this fight. Um, you know, I really hope this fight isn't a finish. I like Cub Swanson. I think Cub Swanson is, is really on the cups of being something special uh, there in the UFC and really can, can do some big things. And hopefully, you know, with this win, he does uh, get his shot at uh, Jose Aldo sometime in 2015. Uh, so I like Frankie. Excuse me. I like Cub Swanson to beat Frankie Edgar in the main event in the featherweight division. Um, in the lightweight division, you have Bobby Green versus Edison Barboza. Now, Bobby Green's. I don't. I don't. I don't get Bobby Green. Now, he's won. He's on actually a very high winning streak. This guy's won seven fights in a row. Hasn't lost a fight since 2011, and that was a Jay Z Calvertante, and it was a questionable loss, a split decision. So, really a long time since he's lost a fight. Um, he's hot right after beating Josh Thompson uh, here earlier this year in a really great fight. It was a split decision win, but I thought he clearly won the fight. Um, you know, earlier today, or even it might have been last night, he sent out a tweet saying he's thinking about this maybe his last fight, thinking about retiring. But I know he's had a lot of personal issues. You know, he had a brother that was murdered, had another one that got shot. So, he's been dealing with some things there. So, I I can understand that, but I will also say this. If that's something that's on your mind heading into a fight, you don't need to be fighting. That shows me your head and your heart's not into it. Edson Barbos is the kind of guy who's extremely dangerous, and if you're not 100% there mentally and you make a slip-up, he's going to make you pay and knock you out. So I'm leaning toward Edson Barbosa here. Now, granted, you know, Bobby Green has all the tools to win this fight, uh, on paper, but when I saw that tweet, it makes me question where his heart and where his mind is at. I don't think it's in fighting right now, and if it's not, he needs to fall back and just not fight. It's just that simple. Um, don't you know? Don't put yourself in harm's way uh, by taking a fight and fighting on if you're not there to do it. Um, the you know for Barbosa, Barbosa only um, he's coming up with one against Evan Dunham here. Um, this past summer, he knocked him out, uh, but that was after a loss to Donald Cowboy Cerrone, so he, he did bounce back well there. Um, he's only lost two fights in his career, Cerrone here in April, and then uh, Jamie Varner um, back in 2012, so S.N. is a very legit guy, so if you're not on point, he will knock you out. So, uh, given after seeing that tweet from Bobby Green, I'm going to go with Edson Barboza. Um, also on the card, you'll be able to see Joseph Benavidez versus uh, Dustin Austin, uh, Matt Wyman versus Isaac Villaflag, uh, Jared Roshaw versus uh, Alaski Lincoln. I'm not saying that right. Uh, Brad Pickett versus uh, Chico Campos. Man, these names. So that's your card there. Also, uh, Eve Edwards, who's always entertaining, 
Uh, he'll be on the pre- uh, preliminary card that you'll be able to also see on Fox Sports 1. You know, one thing I don't get when they do these uh, Fox Sports 1 cards is they divvy up the cards and say, well, this is the prelims on Fox Sports 1, this is the main card on Fox Sports 1. Just say it's fight night, and just you're showing them the fights continuously anyway. There's no gaps in between them in regards to the prelim card and the main event card. Um, just show them, just, just say this is UFC fight night on Fox Sports 1 and just, you know, from the prelim fights to the last fight, just show them all. Just keep them going. I don't get that. So... Oh, it makes no sense to me. So that's going down there. They also have a making her UFC debut, uh, one of the youngest fighters um, ever um, to compete in the UFC, Paige Van Zandt. Um, will be fighting in the women's strongly division against uh, uh, Kaylin Curran there in that fight. So that actually be something you'll be able to see on UFC Fight Pass. Um, that'll be the future bout there on UFC Fight Pass. So Paige Van Zandt making her uh, UFC debut. There, like I said, she's one of the youngest fighters. She trains uh, with Team Alpha Male, those little little guys up there in Northern California with Raya Favor and all those guys. So and that that should be an interesting card. But definitely look for uh, for Cup Swanson and Frankie Edgar should be the fight of the night. But I look for Cup Swanson to come out on top there. So um, let me get to my <laughs> let me get to my Dumbass of the Week award and. As I've always said, I don't like I don't like giving this award, but unfortunately I have to because um, fighters, well, fighters do it to themselves. Um, they put it out there, and then, well, when you put stuff out there, it's, it's going to get spoke upon. Um, this time around, it was Quentin Rampage Jackson. Um, so if you're not following me on Twitter, make sure you follow me now on Twitter at punch underscore the number to the face. So... So I'm going to tweet. I'm going to. I'm going to actually tweet out the photo uh, that I'm referring to. The tweet that I'm referring to. So here yesterday. So yes, uh, actually not yesterday. On Monday night, um, Quinn Rampage Jackson had tweeted out um, a tweet um, to his fans and just kind of a kind of a questionable tweet, and it goes as follows. Let me pull it back up here. So if you if you follow me on Twitter, you can see it on Twitter right now. Punch underscore the number to the face. The tweet says the following, quote, just a thought, but I've learned a big lesson in life and in business. Colin, sometimes you should stay with the devil you know at UFC. So really what Rampage is saying is he made a mistake signing with Bellator. And my answer to that, to that Rampage is you think – Look, he made a money run and chased the money with Bellator. He thought things were going to be better with Bellator than what they were, and they weren't. Um, it was definitely not what they had sold him on uh, when he had joined them. And now that Bjorn um, Redman is gone, who had promised him all these things, you know, Rampage really doesn't know what to do right now. He's he's kind of stuck. <laughs> For lack of a better terminology, he's he's really stuck. Um, he was offered the replacement fight uh, with King Moldawal and said Joe, uh, the opponent, took the fight. Uh, but it was open knowledge that they had actually offered that fight to Quentin Rampage Jackson, and he turned it down. Um, we had, didn't see him at all in any of the events um, with the fans throughout the weekend there this past weekend in San Diego. 
I do know he lives in Orange County, California, so it's not that far from me. Um, he did go to a couple of uh, those were sponsored uh, events uh, with their um, their sponsor, Monster Energy Drink. I do know he had been at some of those here uh, in the last uh, few weeks, in the last few months. Uh, he was at the event that they did at the uh, motocross event in Las Vegas. So he had been somewhat visible, um, but as far as him being at Bellator events here during this past season, he's been AWOL. Like, no one's seen him. Like, he's like a, a unicorn, man. We we don't even know if he exists right now, but it's abundantly clear that he's not happy with Bellator and he doesn't really know uh, really what to do next. Um, right now, it's he's stuck. Um, for lack of a better term, he's completely and utterly stuck. But he did this to himself because he badmouthed the UFC, he badmouthed Dana White. Um, you know, that bridge is probably burned. And, and, and to Dana White's credit, when he was asked about him, he took the higher road and, and actually didn't, you know, this week didn't say anything derogatory about Rampage. But, you know, Rampage, what, what, I mean, he's done it to himself. I mean, for lack of a lack of a better terminology, this is all something he has brought upon himself by by his actions and his words. So I can't feel sorry for him. I can't feel bad uh, for him right now because this is what happens when you you think the grass is green on the other side, and it's, the king, and it's not. So, yeah, man. Um, Rampage, man, for you running your mouth and burning those bridges there at the UFC and now uh, calling pretty much both UFC and Bellator for the Devil. <laughs> Bro, that ship is sailed, man. I know you're a fighter and I respect what you do, but sometimes your mouth can't get you in trouble. Uh, right now you're riding a three-fight win streak with Bellator. You may see if you can try to mend any fences there are with them um, and try to stay with them and get them last few checks because there's no way you're going to be able to go back to the UFC and make the money that you think you can make. Um, at age uh, 36, going on 37, you know, th- those glory years may be behind you as being a top fighter in the world. So, hey, maybe you need to think about these things before you start running your mouth and, and bad-mouthing uh, the organizations in which you work for. So, there's that. So, Quit Rampage Jackson is my dumbass of the week here on Punch in the Face Radio. But, hey, again, he brought it upon himself. Shouldn't have, shouldn't have been running his mouth. But, hey, he's pretty much burnt that bridge. So, I don't know. Interesting to see him tweet that out. It'll be interesting to see what happens from here uh, with him, if he's given an opportunity, um, or if he even wants to fight for Bellator. So, like I said, he was given that fight against Mo Wall and turns it down. So, there you go. Now, um... We do have a couple of quick injury, up, not updates, but um, some injuries that have occurred to have uh, altered a couple of uh, UFC cards. So Holly Holm is out of her UFC debut here next month at UFC 181. Uh, she was set to uh, fight Raquel Pennington uh, there in a Bantamweight uh, women's, type, women's bout. Uh, former uh, Legacy FC champion uh, Holly Holm is out. She actually ended up hurting her neck from what I'm understanding uh, so she's got a neck injury, so she's going to be on the shelf here until uh, after the new year. Uh, it was announced uh, yesterday that the UFC has actually signed Ashley Evans-Smith uh, to replace her. 
and she's going to be t- uh, taking on Raquel Pennington there at UFC 181. Some question the signing of Smith, if she was really worthy uh, of of getting that bout. I, I don't have much gripe with it. I do know that um, one bantamweight fighter thinks that she does have a legit argument, thinks she has a legit beef, and I think she does, and that's a Tanya Avenger. Um, Tanya's on a win streak, fought a lot of good fights, and is uh, going to be fighting next month for Invicta FC, uh, but still not given the opportunity to uh, to actually uh, get an opportunity to fight in the UFC. Uh, she, she lost out while on the Ultimate Fighter. She hasn't been given an opportunity to fight. Um, so, Ashley, uh, Ashley Evans-Smith is going to get that call. So, she's going to get the opportunity there at uh, UFC 181 as a uh, uh, late-minute replacement. I wouldn't say she's not even all that late-minute replacement. She's going to have um, know, a few weeks to get it together uh, for that because that card won't go down until December 6th. So, she's getting about three weeks' notice. Um, so, she should be fine there. Uh, so, that fight was announced uh, here this week. Uh, she's being a replacement there for Holly Holm. Um, really no other uh, bouts that have been uh, announced uh, here this week. Kind of a quiet week for that besides the uh, um, the Kevin Galsalam and uh, Tyra Woodley fight that I said that's going to go down uh, here at UFC 183. Uh, but that's it. So quiet week there from that aspect. Um so let me get into my question I received here from uh, one of my Twitter followers earlier today. Uh, so shout out to my man, Daryl Cobb, uh, who tweeted this out to me earlier today. And make sure you follow Daryl. You give Daryl's Twitter handle at. Uh, see, make sure you follow my, my man, Daryl. He's just the simplest, Daryl Cobb, uh, there on Twitter. So at Daryl Cobb. So Daryl's question to me earlier today was, you know, Brock Lesnar, there's a rumor again that Brock Lesnar is interested in coming back uh, to boxing, not to boxing, back to MMA. <laughs> he couldn't last in boxing. He's looking to come back to MMA. Uh, so Daryl's question to me was, you know, does he stand a legit chance of coming back and uh, could he come back and actually do anything? Man, oh, man, oh, man. Um, no. <laughs> That's a simple answer to that, no. Um, Part of this could be him kind of uh, maneuvering himself around to uh, get get money from WWE. So that could be number one. Uh, That could be him doing some some shifty movement there to make that happen because, you know, money talks uh, at the end of the day. So... I'm leaning towards that being being partly that uh, he could possibly get a better deal, uh, better terms and agreements with um, the WWE because they need superstars a part of their roster. Um, they need guys who are going to be able to drive pay-per-view buys, uh, having people sign up for their Fight Pass, uh, their version of Fight Pass they have in the WWE Network. So these are all things that I can see to where he may be trying to uh, – play the field a bit with the two organizations. Uh, Dana White has said he would, you know, be interested in it. He would welcome you back. But let's let's just be honest and let's look at a few things here. Um, if you were to bring Brock Lesnar back uh, to fight in the UFC, um, who is Brock Lesnar going to fight? 
And is there someone out there, Brock Lesnar, can fight that Brock Lesnar can actually beat? That may be a question that, that's more of a concern to um, that that people should be looking at. Is Brock Lesnar actually a legit heavyweight contender? No. Um, at age 37 and the years of wear and tear of uh, college wrestling and high school wrestling, consistency in MMA, um, is short time he tried to play football, uh, to doing pro wrestling, you know, how much wear and tear has that taken up on his body? And not to mention, you know, he had some kind of stomach issues as well. Um, last time we saw him fight was in December of 2011. He got beat up. He got beat up by uh, Alistair Overeem. Over him, excuse me. Uh, a year before that, he got beat up by Cain Velasquez. Um, one thing that's pretty evident is he cannot take a punch. And if anyone who's ever seen any of Brock Lesnar's fights, and I challenge anyone to tell me any different, watch all the Brock Lesnar's fights. Watch him get hit in the face. And when he gets hit in the face, he, he, he kind of freaks out, and he doesn't know what to do. And I first initially noticed that when he fought Randy Couture. Randy Couture actually hit him a couple times, busting him up. And he ended up just really beating Randy because he's just bigger. Really, technique-wise, he had wasn't much he could do. He was just out-muscled Randy, and Randy had no answers for it. Um, and the Frank Mir fight, Frank Mir just really, again, he out-muscled Frank Mir, but he did take shots there. The Shane Carlin fight is maybe the best example of him not being able to take a punch. It was from the grace of God the referee did not stop that bout in the first round. He should have lost that fight. He ended up getting lucky because Shane Carlin gassed out in the second round and was able to get uh, submitted. But he can't take a punch. And, no, there's no reason whatsoever for him to come back to MMA besides getting a paycheck. Um, let's look at here. Let's look at the, the top five guys there in the UFC. Can he beat Cain Velasquez? The answer to that, we've already seen that. That's no. Junior Dos Santos, no. Fabricio Verdum, hell no. Um, Step Monich, probably not. Mark Hunt, he may have a chance if he can get him to the ground, but if he stands for any period of time, that will end ugly. Um, Josh Barnett, no, don't look, don't see him being Josh Barnett on the ground. Um, and even striking-wise, I, I think Barnett's striking has improved over the years to where he could pretty much probably knock him out. Um, and then you start going really here to the next tier, to the bottom of the top ten. Um, Andre Olofsky, uh, possibly Bigfoot Silva. Bigfoot Silva hasn't looked right since he's gotten off the TRT, so that could be a possibility. Uh, but he's, he's ranked number eight. Uh, could it be Roy Nelson? No. Uh, Roy Nelson's at nine. Ben Rockwell? Probably not at ten. So, you can't really beat anybody in the top ten. Maybe Bigfoot Silva minus the TRT now. He may have a chance against. Um, I don't see him beating Andre, uh, beating uh, Alistair Burrell, who's outside of the top ten. Don't see him beating Gabriel Gonzaga, who's outside um, in the top ten. He could probably beat Frank Mayer, Stefan Struve. I don't even know if he's an active fighter anymore. Matt Mitrione's one of those guys who really – you don't know which Matt Mitchell you're going to get each fight, but when you get Matt Mitchell who's on and who's focused, Matt's pretty damn good. The gist of it is Brock Lesnar cannot win in the UFC as a heavyweight right now. That's just the gist of it. Him coming back to fight MMA with just before money run, that's all it is. No more than that. Um, I don't like his chances against any of those heavyweights. He would have a better opportunity to really 
uh, make an impact and win a championship at Bellator because they have really no heavyweight divisions, maybe the thinnest of our organizations as far as heavyweights go. So, yeah, yeah. to answer Daryl Cobb's question, you know, Brock Lesnar should not come back in May. I, I, if it, It's all going to be money grabs for everybody involved because people say he draws pay-per-view buys. I don't buy a pay-per-view just because he's on it um, at all. I don't buy a pay-per-view just to see him lose. So I, I think that's one of those things to where you can't really use that as an example, but I know Dana White will try to if he comes back. So we'll know more come next year because his contract with uh, WWE is up uh, sometime in the first quarter of next year. I want to say I've heard March. Uh, is when that's up. So we'll see how that's all handled. Again, at 37, you know, can his body take the rigors of MMA training? He's only a part-time wrestler for the WWE. Um, doesn't really travel with him. Very his, his matches have very low impact on him, a high impact on his opponent. So I don't know. We shall see. But that is to answer our uh, our uh, one of our guests. Uh, Excuse me, one of our listeners' questions. But feel free uh, to always tweet me questions at punch underscore the number to the face uh, throughout the week, and I'll always answer those on Twitter and also give you a shout-out here on the show and answer them again here on the show uh, for everyone to hear. Uh, you can also uh, Facebook message those to me. Uh, email those at punch underscore the, uh, excuse me, at, um, email those at brandon at punch to the face dot com as well. So uh, do those at any time. But, um, yeah. So that's the question there, and that's pretty much all we have this week. Um, again, big thank you to my guest, uh, Titan FC, uh, Chief Operating Officer, and the President of Alchemist Management, Lex McMahon, who I did know until after I was done with the interview. That's TV legend Ed McMahon's son. For you youngsters out there who don't know who Ed McMahon is, Google him. Um, Publishers Clearinghouse, the, uh, Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Ed McMahon was the truth, so shout out. Uh, to Lex McMahon, shout out to the whole Titan FC team. Uh, we will have more Titan FC fighters on next week's show. Uh, Steven Seiler, Desmond Green, they're going to be fighting for the Featherweight Championship um, here in December, Titan FC 32. Uh, Talked to both of them about that matchup and, and how that all came about. And, um, you know, for Desmond, he's kind of like, he's, he's kind of the hottest thing right now in the streets. I mean, he's we're seeing him all over the place uh, since signing with Titan FC and getting that win over Miguel Torres. And Steven Seiler, you know, um, you know, does he deserve a title shot? He, you know, maybe we get that explanation out of him on next week's show. Um, until then, uh, definitely uh, check us out on iTunes. Just Google, uh, just Google search uh, Bad Culture Radio on iTunes. You can catch up on all of our podcasts. You can listen to all of our interviews uh, here on Punch of the Face Radio with uh, fighters, managers, and other people. So all of all of my podcasts are there. And as well, uh, from other uh, from, from freaks of combat sports, um, definitely uh, check out the Ruckus podcast. It's also free on iTunes. Make the Bad Culture Radio uh, search uh, with boxing interviews. Last night they had uh, Devin Alexander who will be fighting in a couple of weeks. Last week they had Tim Bradley. I'm on there as a guest panelist from time to time, which is always fun. So make sure you go check us out there again on iTunes. So just go to iTunes, uh, searching podcast, and just search Bad Culture Radio and you'll be able to find all of our podcasts there, and they're all for free, uh, free to download. Um, uh, and as well, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Bad Culture uh, and visit badculture.net and visit punchtheface.com. Uh, I always need your um, ideas for who should win Knockout of the Month. i got to honestly say Joe Schilling's Knockout here at Melvin Manhoff. 
at Bellator 131 last weekend is the front runner. But hey, there's always more fights to come, and always like your suggestions. So feel free to shoot those on my way at punchtotheface.com. Uh, so again, until next week, we'll be joined by Desmond Green and Stephen Silo of Titan FC. Uh, obviously, we'll have a recap of fight night here this week. Uh, we'll talk about um, the UFC that will be going uh, down. Uh, in a couple of weeks, I'll have another UFC happening again. Uh, it's like these things never end. Um, uh, we'll talk a little bit, maybe a little bit Ultimate Fighter, which will be winding down as well. Um, so a little bit of everything. And with it being uh, the eve of Thanksgiving, we'll maybe have a theme of what we're thankful for in MMA. So we'll have it all here on next week's show. So uh, until then, everybody stay safe, stay blessed, don't do anything stupid, do not end up like the dumbass of the week, which this week's one was Quinn Rampage Jackson. So uh, don't make sure not to use this next week, folks. I don't like hitting that button. So until next Wednesday, man, uh, 8 p.m. Central Time, uh, Bad Culture Radio Network, uh, Punch and Face Radio will be back then. And until then, I am your host, playing the stuff, saying I am out.